0: Hey, everybody, welcome to Just for Variety. Today is June 2nd, 2022. I'm your host, Mark Malkin. On today's episode, I'm talking to Hannah Einbinder. The breakout star of Hacks, she earned an Emmy nomination last year for her work as Ava, talks about the show's second season, her audition with Gene Smart, and being queer in comedy. Plus, wait till you hear what happens when we talk about being Jewish. But before we get to Einbinder, let's take a look at this week's Just for Variety column. Billy Porter is making his feature film directorial debut with the trans coming-of-age dramedy Anything's Possible. However, Porter is staying behind the camera, opting not to appear in the film about a trans high schooler navigating her first boyfriend, home life with a single mom, and changing friendships. I ain't Barbra Streisand yet, Porter told me during a recent interview. It's like, let me do one thing at a time, let me direct something first. Then, he says, I'll direct something and be in it too. Newcomer Eva Rain stars in the movie, which premieres on Amazon on July 22nd. Like Netflix much-buzzed-about Heartstopper, Anything's Possible is about LGBTQ joy. The trauma often portrayed on film and television when it comes to trans stories is nowhere to be found in this world. This is an aspirational story. It's almost like a fairy tale, Porter says. We know that. It's a look at what can be. It's what we as artists get to do. Look at what we can be and what we should be. You can see an exclusive first look at the movie and read more of my interview with Porter in this week's Variety, our annual Pride issue, or online at Variety.com. Welcome back to Just for Variety. I'm talking to hack star Hannah Einbinder. We caught up over Zoom from her home in Los Angeles. And just a little warning. Well, we do discuss some storylines featured on season two of Hacks. How are you?
1: I'm well. I'm well. I'm, um, yeah, it's, we're in the thick of it.
0: <laughs> How's the thick for you?
1: The thick is Thick. And it's um, a blessing, and it's, um, you know, a bounty, and really just so gratifying. I'm just glad that the show is being received the way it is. Um,
0: Really. How how nervous, you know, we all talk about it, the sophomore slump, could you live up? Because it's not only living up, I mean, you guys were like, the the reaction the response the every i mean just everyone went nuts that has to be like how are we going to do this is that magic just that one time yeah it's
1: it's a lot of pressure i certainly put a lot of pressure on myself um i mean i i was truly never scared that the scripts would would be there right. um because i think like Because I think like anyone who, I mean, when you produce a a first season, like the one that we had, it's just like, it's in there, you know? (laughs) Um, But yeah, just like there, I I felt personally that there were a lot of extra emotional layers this season. Mm -hmm. And so rising to the occasion for those emotions and, um, that was like kind of where a lot of my pressure lived.
0: What what was the biggest change you saw in Ava from season one to season two?
1: Um, I think like she gets past a lot of the initial, um, sort of constant growing pains mistakes. Mm-hmm. Like we have, we see her dealing with the effects of something that does happen in season one, in the beginning of season two. But from then on, she really isn't the center of conflict. After it's like kind of resolved ish, mm-hmm. um, she really doesn't, you know, the, the plot is not hinged on something that she has done wrong. Right. So it becomes more about the work the two of them are doing and Deborah's new hour and. So I think, like, she does kind of get it together a little bit.
0: Is, you know, what's so great, and it's obviously the scene and the diner, when you have to read her the email, when you're reading Deborah the email, no matter how much Deborah says, okay, I'm done, let's move on, that's always going to be there. And that just creates... I think, a tension that that can you ever get rid of that tension between Eva and Gepa?
1: No, and I think like, you know, um, I mean, it's hard to talk about this without saying at least one spoiler,
0: but. go ahead. And I'll I'll figure out how to, and I'll warn you.
1: Okay. Um, Like there's a moment in episode five where Deborah and Ava are walking, and Deborah confesses something that she did in her back in the day when she was starting to do stand up, um, and that was sort of a time where we get more context into how Deborah could possibly forgive Ava for such a God. dirty act, and so you know when they're sitting in the car uh, shortly after the diner scene, Um, Deborah says, you're just like me, you know, and so that will always be there, but it will never be there without Deborah's ability to reflect and go, yeah, I've done something like that, too. Mm. Am I am I not redeemable either?
0: Mm. Did you expect it to get this heavy?
1: Honestly... In the beginning of shooting season one I wouldn't have, but season two, yeah, I think after the slap I was like, Okay, we're going any and everywhere. Like this could truly escalate to any point emotionally because it just has like there's this, you know, incredibly dramatic moment in, in the dressing room with with uh, Abe and Deborah. So that that it from then on I was kinda like, Okay, this can go anywhere.
0: So take me back to the day you auditioned, or did you do how? How did it all happen? Did you have to put yourself on tape? Did they just watch your stand-up?
1: I went into like a physical casting office in Santa Monica, um, like a couple days before March thirteenth, twenty twenty, like that initial COVID lockdown. Um, I read with someone in the office, um, and. You know, a couple days later, COVID hit and um, I found out that I was going to do a callback, but that they didn't know how it was going to happen. And so a couple months later, like it took like two months for me to do a callback um, that I did over Zoom. Um,
0: and, by, like, and by the way, you're saying now like I did over Zoom because we know then it was like I'm doing what? Yeah. What Zoom?
1: Yeah. You want me to do it fast? I don't know what this is. So like yeah, it was it was all bizarre, but the 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 truth of it is, like, it's all I've ever known. All I have ever known is this and COVID sets and all of the protocols and all of the things because you know, I haven't really worked in this side of the biz. So until until now. So it's all been this thing that everyone's like, this is crazy. And I'm like, what was it like before? You know,
0: I've never even thought about that. That's right. This is your Zoom baby.
1: I am. It's so wild.
0: <laughs> that is really wild. So when was the first time you met Jean?
1: I met Jean in person, actually. The chemistry read, they were like, OK, where we gotta bring we gotta bring her in, um, so th- you put th- on a
0: hazmat suit.
1: Yeah, truly. I mean, a soundstage, and for those who don't know, like a soundstage is a giant, empty, uh, garage, garage warehouse. Like truly, an empty warehouse that they build rooms and sets on on studio lots, and. Uh, completely empty soundstage, dark, no lights, and just like two like interrogation lamps on two chairs with a screen and a, a clear sort of glass, like whiteboard looking thing on wheels between me and Jean. And we're, you know, 10 feet apart between the screen, the producers sitting in the dark behind two cameras, like Paul, Jen, Lucia, Mike, Sure, all of them, sitting in the dark, um, and we did the audition scene, and which was the, the interview scene in the pilot, and one other scene, um, and we, I mean, we just kind of got into it. I, I, I went in with such a freedom because I was like, there's no possible way on planet earth that i'm going to get this uh and so i just had fun because i was kind of like i that's kind of how i felt about auditioning i was like i this just needs to be like a good creative uh, this just needs to be like a good creative exercise
0: that is wild
1: it's pretty crazy but again, all I know, I'm like, yeah, okay, you go to a dark sound stage and everybody's just, you know, <laughs> like Plastic last I know, it's crazy.
0: Wow. So take me back to the first time you ever did stand up. Do you remember your first live show?
1: Oh, yeah.
0: Um tell me about
1: it. <laughs> my first live show was uh, I was in college. And Nicole Byer came to my school. She was, you know, NACA is a NACA is like national uh, something. Um, it's like comedians, entertainers come to colleges; they play, right? So Nicole Byer came, and um, she asked if anyone from the improv team at our school wanted to open for her. And I, at the time, was on the improv team, and I kind of just volunteered, um, and, uh, I just like got a couple minutes together. I did like, you know, eight minutes probably. Um, and I went to open mics around my school and just wrote and like got a little makeshift set together. And then I opened for her, like in, for like a theater full of my peers um so kind of nerve-wracking but also kind of safety net type thing Mm. um but just nerve-wracking because I was like oh my god I love Nicole Byer like I can't believe she's letting me do this um but I was hooked ever since
0: so that that was like had you thought about wanting? I mean you're in the improv group but had you thought about wanting to do stand-up at the time or?
1: I, I love stand-up, I always have. I never really saw myself doing it and I never really saw myself doing comedy. I joined the improv team because I met a kid who just like told me I was funny and suggested that I try out because he was the president. Um, so really none of this I had ever considered, ever. And so stand-up, like I had just come off of like, when I, I, I I'm still very in my head as a person yeah. neurotic Jew, um, you know, as you do, gotta love them. Uh, and, but at the time, I mean, I was like very young and, um, just soup, so much more in my head. And so improv was not something that I was really strong at, but I loved comedy. And so stand up, I was like, Oh, you can pre prepare. So everything is planned and it's thoughtful and there's no pressure. You know, and um, so I started to realize that that was like a more, a a better fit. And as I did stand up, I became better at improv because I had the safety net of good jokes to fall back on. And so now I love, I love improv a lot.
0: So did you have to considering come from this family (laughs) Do you have to come out as a comedian to your, <laughs> by the way, guess what?
1: Yeah. I mean, my parents have rightfully always been realistic with me about the nature of, of this business. I've been really lucky to have that feedback. They, they're, they're encouraging, but they're also they're more so realistic about it. Mm-hmm. Like when I asked my mom if I could do it, she was like, you know, I don't know, good luck. You know, she's like, I think you're funny. I love you, but it doesn't always matter if you're funny. It doesn't always matter if, you know, You you, you, you there's a lot of factors that go into someone being able to make a living in this business. And for a while, you know, she gave me like the hard, the real tea basically, you know? Um, so they have always been like, I think you're funny, but it's not up to me or anyone else. You know, you got to go out and do it.
0: And when did you, when did you know, like, okay, this, this is the life I want to pursue? Did that stand up in the call?
1: I, I, yeah, I honestly walked off stage and I was like, that is the best feeling in the world. That is the best I've ever felt. Um, it really was life. It really was a night and day life-changing moment. Um, you know, I, I still get very nervous before I get on stage, but like the second I get a laugh, it just fades away and it becomes this like really beautiful, wonderful experience. Mm. Um, And I love it so much.
0: What do you do do to get past the nervousness and the insecurity to literally step on the stage and start your performance?
1: Well, I mean, they announce your name, so you better just walk up. That's kind of it. (laughs) There's nothing I can do. Like, really, there's nothing to be done. Like, it's just that... It's because I care. Like, I care and I don't want to let them down and I want to give them a good time. And I also, you know, don't want to embarrass myself. (laughs) Um, But I think the nerves are good. I think, like, I think if I ever lost the nerves, it would indicate something that, like, I, I mean, I could see a world in which I lose the nerves and then it's like, oh, I'm just comfortable and I believe in myself. Or it's like, oh, this is not. As exciting as it once was or something, you know, like, yeah. I would hope it would be the former, but, um, yeah,
0: I think the nerves help. I mean, for me, obviously, I'm not a stand-up comic, but for me, obviously, you see me on a gazillion red carpets. Yeah. Every carpet I go to. Yeah. Day.
1: Well, then, you're.
0: I have you're- a friend, my, my one of my closest friends, as a joke, he thinks it's funny. Yeah. Well, like right before the Oscars, he'll send me a text going, you know, you're not going to get any interviews, right? Oh my God. Uh... (laughs) It's just, you know, sets me straight. Yeah. But I've never, I tell interns, I tell any young reporter on the carpet, I'm like, once you're too secure on the carpet, get off. Because, like, I'm literally, I go to every single one. I have a routine. Anytime I have a big carpet, I I have a monster drink. A small pack of powdered donuts or chocolate donuts. Oh. It looks like I'm doing coke. Oh, everyone knows, like, this is my thing.
1: I love that.
0: I don't do it. I'm convinced. Yeah. I'm bad
1: You're like a baseball player. You got to wiggle your ear before you put uh, <laughs> that's, that's exactly a bat.
0: That's ex- literally, that's exactly.
1: But you know what's so interesting? Like, because your work is largely improvised, as much as you yes. can prepare. You have to be like listen, respond, listen, respond. So that is that is a level of nerve wracking. That yeah, I understand. It's it's improv. Like
0: yeah, no, there is. Oh, uh, you know, they will throw someone in front of you. Like want to talk to them? Like sure. I have no idea who that person.
1: is. Yeah, that is so. I mean, the way that you, the way, to, like how? I mean, wow. That that must be such a bizarre. Thing to to navigate. Do you have any like go to like general ways to? I mean, I don't want you to have to reveal (laughs) now. People are gonna look
0: back in the archives and be like,
1: "Is Mark no and not (laughs) no?"
0: No, Julia Roberts. Um, (laughs) (laughs) No, I do, and I do, and I'm a quick. You know the things that I know about me. I'm yeah quick study. I don't know what it is. Yeah. Um, What did do you know? Obviously, you do know if a joke just does not hit? Do you remember the first time that happened? What goes on inside of you?
1: Um, I mean, open mics, I, I, I don't remember the first time I really bombed. I think like my first set that I ever did in an open mic was lukewarm. It wasn't miserable failure. I've been lucky to have like kind of a handle on it from the beginning. Um, an inexperienced comedian and a bad comedian are two different things. And I don't think I was ever a bad comedian, but inexperienced comedian's bomb. Experienced comedi- comedian's bomb. You know, it's like it's, it's super common. It's super normal bombing on shows hurts but bombing at open mics never hurt because it was just like okay i'm going to the next one you know like two a night three a night like every night of the week like i'm just doing so many that it's like a batting average you know
0: we're going to take a short break right now but when we return einbinder opens up about her queerness being heckled because she's bisexual and more and you'll definitely want to stick around till the end where things get completely LOL when we talk about being Jewish. Welcome back to Just for Variety. I'm talking to hack star, Hannah Einbinder. So let's talk, June is coming up, it's Pride Month. You've been out proud, bisexual. Was there ever a moment Where someone said to you, you know, maybe not do that so publicly. You're going to start this career here. You might not want
1: to. No, I'm really lucky to to live right now where that's not something that's happening to me personally. I think it it probably happens. I think for sure for people who are in like super mainstream positions, like I know Kristen Stewart has like is probably a good example of like someone who like is this, you know, in this super huge franchise. And it's like the pressure to, to have like, quote unquote, appeal, like mass appeal. Like, you know, I, I was lucky to start on a show where my character is queer and I'm working with queer artists and women and, you know, people who are embracing that. And so I've been really lucky. I've also talked about it in my up. um, you know, since the beginning. And so, like, with stand-up, there's no censor. There's no no one exists to, you know, kind of be like, don't do this, don't do that. And my managers are really awesome, um, two really nice guys. And so they've always been really, like, loving and encouraging. I've had a really lucky, (laughs) I've had a really charmed and privileged experience.
0: Was Ava always queer, or was she queer when you were cast as Ava?
1: She was always clear, yeah. Wow. Yeah, it was in the character breakdown, which I was like, so relieved to see because it was the first bi woman I had ever had an audition for.
0: First bi woman ever had an audition?
1: And since, actually.
0: <laughs> wow. That's, yeah, this is, yeah, I mean, this is sort of golden or lavender, whatever color you want.
1: Yeah, yeah, either work. Um, Lavender, the gold of the uh the porous as I
0: we know. know no, I, yeah. And I know I think I've, I've even said this to you, and I said this to anyone who's queer now and out in the public eye. Save lives. Save lives. And I don't I don't say that lightly, I don't say that to and I literally I sound like a broken record every time I talk to a queer artist, and I talk to a lot of queer artists. But you know, I'm of a certain age where, you know, leaves didn't exist. You know, hacks. I mean, look at all, you're on the cover of Out Magazine. You know, I remember when Out Magazine started.
1: Yeah. You know, I, remember.
0: I remember when the big queer thing was when Katie Lang was on the cover of Vanity Fair and Sidney Crawford is shown shaving her. Yeah.
1: Iconic.
0: Iconic. But now to think that there are two people who could be on that cover both The radicalism of it was Sidney Poitier doing the shade, you know. And but now, like, look at your show; it's just bursting at the seams with queer. Literally, I could never have imagined. Oh one hundred percent.
1: It's so I'm so it's so moving to hear you say that, and like, I I just think we have so much more work to do, Mm. but we're in we're on our way. Most definitely. Yes.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's we're on our way, and at the same time, as we know, whenever yeah. we're on our way, we have these forces that are working yeah. really hard to try to keep that yeah, slow, patriarchy, white cisgender yeah, straight. yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, it's an, it's just yeah. people like you just standing up and saying, "Here I am."
1: You know it's it is it is a privilege and an honor, you know, I really don't take it lightly, and um, there is like no part of me that will ever stop being that way about any element of my identity. you know it's just like we can't we there's there's no other option
0: were was family or friends nervous for you when they heard you doing it in your stand up because I'm sure I can imagine there'd be a moment of like oh.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, I I've had experiences at shows. You know, it's mostly like men being disgusting. Um, but you know, that has created a thicker skin for me. I'm very like sensitive, delicate flower, and stand up has like I'm still that way, but stand up has given me like coping tools mm. to deal with the outside you know, to deal with my non LA bubble when I go on the road and I go to these places where I don't live in this queer utopia, you know? Um, and so that's been kind of like a good and necessary tool, I think for the career and the life I've chosen and been able to pursue. But I think like, you know, friends and family, because, you know, I come from like a really progressive liberal, Jewish, queer family. You know, my I have two trans siblings. My grandmother was an out lesbian in the 60s. And like, you know, I just like, that's my world. (laughs) What? Yes.
0: (laughs) Trans siblings, your grandmother was a lesbian. Mm -hmm. Wow.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, let me tell you, I had two gay uncles. They both died during the epidemic. Ugh. Both died of AIDS.
1: Um, mark, I'm so sorry. Thank
0: you. thank you. No, it's, it's, they're my guardian angels. I know they're watching 100%, 100%. me.
1: A hundred percent.
0: But it was because I never came out to my uncles. They both died while I was in college and right after college. And I never had the nerve to come out to them.
1: Oh, I had the same thing with my grandmother. She had Alzheimer's and it was like right around the time I was feeling like ready. And she just, she just, by the time I got to her in Vegas where she lived, she just was not really there. And I couldn't, I just was like, it felt,
0: yeah. Yeah. I had my, my uncle David had moved to San Francisco. We were from Long Island and Queens uncle David got a, wanted to get away from the family because we're neurotic Jews. So he goes to San Francisco, move to San Francisco. He died, and then my uncle Arthur was still in New York. And I went to school in Boston. I went to Boston University. And I never came back to New York once I went to school. I stayed in Boston, did my coming out, and all that stuff, and Provincetown. And my uncle Arthur knew Boston well because he was a school teacher in New York, and he would spend his summers, in Boston, his best friend was there, and he would go to P-Town. But the year I went to Boston is when he got sick. So we never experienced it together. But one of the last times I saw him, and I'll, again, I won't give you more of that. Oh, he, no. He, we went to a restaurant for Mother's Day. I would come in from Boston, right near the Chelsea Hotel in New York. And my uncle had decided, I'm dying of AIDS, I'm gonna do what I want. So, I'm going to tan, I'm going to get piercings, I'm going to get colored contacts, dye my hair, the whole thing. But had an oxygen tank and a nurse. It was wow. wild. I walk in and I was going through my period of like black motorcycle jacket, black skinny jeans and creeper, John Fluvog shoes. Yes. The whole thing.
1: <sighs>
0: and I walk in and my uncle is staring at me. And he's like, he's basically saying to me, come out to me. I knew, and I forced myself to pass out, unconsciously. Unconsciously. I just looked at him and I hit the floor. What?
1: Yeah. What do you mean you forced yourself? Like it was just like a body, like it was just like a,
0: it was just like, I couldn't deal with him, like staring at me. And I didn't consciously say pass out. I just passed out.
1: Yeah. It just was like a fear response.
0: Fear response. It was like a survival thing. I' oh saying so, my crazy fucking family though, <laughs> they fucking take me out of the restaurant, put me in the car on eighth Avenue, and say, lay here, we're gonna go finish
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, we've already ordered
0: <laughs> <laughs> literally like Mark, we ordered we're getting money <laughs> oh my God, I mean. Later that night, my uncle calls me and says to me, Mark, hey, do people in Boston still go to Circus Circus? (laughs) On Sunday night, Circus Circus was the big club. On Sunday nights was gay night. But By the time I got there, the club had been renamed. So I sort of played dumb. And I was like, don't know what Circus Circus is. What? (laughs) Never came out to him.
1: I get it, though. I totally get that. I I was 19,
0: 20. It's an amazing journey. And again, I, I'm going to bring it back to you because this is about you, not me. And I can't believe I just talk so much. Um, no,
1: it's so, I'm like so happy you shared
0: that. Yeah, it's, you know, it's people like you who are, you know, the spotlight is on. And it's kids like, like I used to be. I, they don't have to worry. Like the reason I was nuts with this guy was because I didn't know. I didn't know. I didn't have anything to look to to say. You know, and especially my family, they were all closeted. So it was like, okay, you're not only gay. You're gay like your family, and your family's closeted. And we're the right. we're, we're the Jews that are full of secrets. Like my right. family, said it, it's all fucking secrets.
1: Right, so, and it's the like example of like queerness is to hide.
0: Completely shame. Like when my my uncles were dying, I had to say to my mom, "Do they have AIDS?" No one told me. No one told me. I'm like, I'm this queer little. I'm even use queer, but I'm this queer little kid. That's obviously as gay as a two fucking dollar bill. Like, come on. (laughs) You're gonna be okay. Yeah. But you know they Uh, they had the tools that they had.
1: And 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 you did the best you could because a lot of like the difference between now and then is like there's a lot of self sufficiency that. you know queer people when you were growing up just had to have it was on you and you brought yourself to this point
0: yeah it's so true and
1: it's like a miracle and god bless you and thank god for you because like you did that in a big way
0: yeah and look at what you're you're you are on as this out bisexual woman like
1: what well, and not what I'm so pleased about is like not a caricature or like a villain or like a like a real yes. person like a real bisexual person.
0: Right. And what I and I, when I was doing my research to talk to you, like I was thinking about I'm like how often has it even been mentioned on hacks?
1: I mean, there's the interview scene or there's that scene where Deborah's like, Are you a lesbian? Right. And then she and then you just see her. Right, your girlfriend and you see her with that guy in vegas and then i mean this season episode four the cruise like you
0: know exactly so that that it's 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 just it's radical in its simplicity
1: yeah yes in its in its vivid depiction of
0: reality yeah Because reality is not—you're not walking around with a strap on on (laughs) twenty-four-seven. That's what most people would put you in a show. Not visibly, right? (laughs) To get into
1: character, I mean.
0: Uh, Hannah, this is so good. This is so
1: much fun. Yeah, I feel—I have always felt just like an instant, like lock with you, and so I'm just like so happy to talk to you always.
0: It was little. I'm like, it's there's a Jewish neurosis that
1: I know. I'm like.
0: Yeah, and like. I am fucking neurotic. <laughs> <laughs> fucking neurotic. And it's like, but there's a part of me that I just love it
1: so much. Look, it's a huge part of our culture.
0: It is. It's I know. I was, I was talking to someone yesterday. She was Irish and she's telling me that Irish people have some dietary thing. I'm like, oh, don't talk to us. Don't talk to <laughs> I said, you know how fucking Jewish I am? This is how Jewish I am. Crohn's disease, which is like a Jew disease.
1: Yeah. Wow.
0: My grandfather's doctor was Crohn. No. Yes. That's how fucking Jewish I am.
1: Yes. I am beyond the grave. My, grandpa, that is
0: not. Oh my god! My grand, my grandpa he used my grandfather's files to discover the disease. Like <laughs> I should be in the Jewish Hall of Fame. My, that
1: sounds like it. It's real and it's true. It sounds like a joke. Like it's right. a perfect. It's a perfect joke. It's a perfect. I'm Jewish. How Jewish are you? My grandfather's doctor was crone. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? That is (laughs) such a good joke. It's a clean, like yes. It's a
0: perfect joke. I'm dead right now. I'm so dead. (laughs) <laughs> oh my god, work out. I am so Jewish. You're like cat skills. <laughs> I just had this epiphany, like this game over me. Oh my god, I'm dead. Hammond, this is. <laughs> it's literally your life. Like, that is. That is. <laughs> That's everything. Yeah. You want to know me? Here it is. I'm so Jewish. My stomach <laughs> Oh my god. My stomach hurts. Oh my god, I'm dead. I am (laughs) so dead right now. (laughs) (gasps) Amazing. Oh, my my God. (laughs) I am literally dead. Like, this is... I'm taking the day off. (laughs) Ah, Oh,
1: my God. I did Pilates earlier, and I'm like, the soreness is, like, setting in, and the laughter is so...
0: (laughs) But it's a good pain, isn't it? Um, <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, Hannah, this is amazing. <laughs> Julia is like, what the fuck is going on
1: right
0: now? Uh, oh, oh. Oh, my God. oh, my God. Oh, my God. You made it <laughs> I to say it the right way, because I would tell people the story of Crone, but that's... The oh. <laughs> story
1: of Crone,
0: <laughs> I don't like this, I don't understand when the last time I laughed like this. <laughs> the most fucking
1: genius thing ever. Oh my god, that's all you. You take that.
0: You rep- you oh. run with it. You go. Oh my god, I've taken one improv class. I think I should take another. <laughs> that with oh amazing. God. Thank you so much. <laughs> oh. oh my god. I'm so Jewish. It's the most. What the I? I'm wheezing. I don't have asthma. <laughs> oh, my God. That was just, that was gorgeous. Wow. (laughs) Wow. Never, I can never see you on the carpet again. (laughs) Oh, my God. Oh, my God.
1: Oh, my God. You have to use that. You have to use that in your life. Oh, my God. Save this forever, please. Forever. This is going to be in your true Hollywood story. Oh my god. You're gonna be wrapped in a in a shawl with a turtleneck right.
0: documentary style. Right. I told her about my grandfather <laughs> he suddenly came down with asthma. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Thank you for this.
1: Oh my god, thank you. What a joy, as always.
0: That was Hannah Einbinder. Taxes is available on HBO Max. Thanks for listening to Just for Variety. I'll see you next time. But for now, don't forget to follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Mark Malkin. And for all your breaking Hollywood news, go to Variety.com. See you soon.